0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kiddos up through the 12th grade please come forward. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, He had to find the key. (laughs) He had to find the right key there. Father Stan just misses it sometimes. Good morning. How are you all? Good. Welcome interns. Glad you're here. You know, I just got back from... We, we, we went on a rowboat all the way to the Bahamas uh, and, and rode all the way, oh, excuse me, about 5,000 of us in that rowboat. Uh, yeah, and we, and we got back last Sunday afternoon, and I was thinking about what I might get you all for Christmas, and I thought, I thought I'd get you something that you don't have. And so I, I bought some toothbrushes, because I know none of you have toothbrushes, right? You, do? you have toothbrushes. Where did you get your toothbrush? I thought I was the only one with the toothbrush. So you all have toothbrushes, and you, your mom bought it. Oh, did you thank your mom and dad for that toothbrush? Did you? <laughs> you did. You did not. You know. Did you? Did you? Really? Okay. Then I won't get you toothbrushes. I, I think I'll get you something else you don't have. How about? Something that most people don't have: tennis shoes. Yeah. Oh. You have tennis shoes? Yes. I guess I'll have to take them back because I got some of those for y'all too. Makes you run fast. Where'd you get your tennis shoes? I know, but who bought them for you? Ah, did you thank her? Yes. You did. Good. Good. How about the, maybe if I can't get you ten issues, I'll know what you. I'll buy you a book. You don't have books, do you? I have <coughs> a lot of books. You have lots of books. I have a lot of books. Oh man, you, who, would you, where'd you buy your books? Who bought them for you? My parents. Yeah, your parents. Yeah. Do you thank them? Yes. Ah, good, good, good. Well, you know the gospel talks about people who were healed, ten people who were really, really sick. And they all, and Jesus, Jesus healed all of them. And guess how many came back to thank Jesus for that? How many? One. Just one. Why do you think just one, right, Jeremy? Just one. Why do you think people are so hesitant to thank others for things like that? Why do you think we're so hesitant to thank God for the blessings that he gives us every single day? For a brand new day. God gave us this day. God gave us this church. God gave us each other as brothers and sisters. God gave these things to us. And God could take them away just like that. I'll tell you what. If God quit thinking about us right now, we wouldn't be here. We're only here because God's thinking about us. Ooh, that's heavy, isn't it? So we, we turned to... if he wasn't thinking about us or this church, it wouldn't fall on top of us. It'd just disappear. Yeah, it would. Everything's created by God. Everything is held in existence by God. That's how great God is. And we forget to go to God and say, thank you, God. Thank you so much. So your homework today, all of you, thank thank God for something. Whatever it is, even if it's something you do every day. Oh, thank you, God. I never have thank you for this. Thank you so much for my toothbrush or whatever, right? Whatever. Thank God. He wants to be thanked. He doesn't need to be thanked, but he sure... Because when you love somebody, it's always nice to to thank them, to say encouraging things for the things that he does for us. Okay? Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you all do that? All right. Thank you all for being up here. You can get a packet from Ms. Wanner, Dr. Wanner over there, if you want to color while uh, I do the big people sermon. Thank you, Connor. I know that some of you were here last week, brand new here last week, and uh, some of you are brand new here today. And uh, I've been gone the last two Sundays because we were on a week long cruise from Saturday to Sunday, but we did have two Eucharists on board. Um, But I do need you to know those of you who are new that um, not that I want to do this, I really don't want to do this, but the congregation demands that I, that I, that I, tell funny things right before the sermon begins so I do my best so there was this man golfer this male any golfers in here am I the only okay there was this male golfer who was preparing to hit the ball from the red ladies tee which are the ones way up front first hole right in front of the pro shop and as he began his backstroke a voice boomed over the public address system would the man hitting his ball from the ladies' red tees please move back to the men's tees? He glared over his shoulder and then began to prepare to hit the ball again. And the loudspeaker again shattered the silence, repeating, Will the man hitting his ball from the ladies' tee please move back to the man's tee? And at that, the man turned and faced the clubhouse, and he cupped his hands over his mouth and he said, will the man in the clubhouse please be quiet so that I can take my second shot? <laughs> after, buying a, uh, after buying her kids a pet hamster, after they promised they would take care of it, mom as usual ended up with the responsibility And one evening she was exasperated and she asked him, how many times do you think this hamster would have died if I hadn't looked for it? I mean, if I hadn't looked after it. And after a moment, the youngest son quizzically answered, once? (laughs) It would only die once. Yeah, I get that right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I got one more for you. Yeah. Hey, I missed two Sundays. A man who was carpooling to work got increasingly stressed with each trip. And after a week of panic attacks, he went to the doctor. And the man explained, I'm fine on the bridges. I'm fine in the traffic. I'm fine even in the dark coming home from a long day of work. But when I go through the tunnels, with those other three guys in the carpool, I feel like I'm going to explode. Am I crazy, doctor? The doctor said, no, not at all. You just have carpool tunnel syndrome. (laughs) That's when you know it's a good joke. You know, sometimes I think we listen to the gospel reading too quickly and we don't ever have enough time to let the truth of the gospel sink in. So I want to slow it down a little bit today and I want you to picture this with me. This morning we start with 10 men. Let's say men. I don't think it says men or women, but let's say 10 men who have the worst possible disease of their day. The physical ramifications of leprosy in that day and age were horrendous. A a leprosy, it attacks the body. It leaves sores and missing fingers and missing toes, damaged limbs. And then a loss of sensation in the nerve endings leads to more damage to more body parts. The disease can take 30 years to run its course. And in that time span, entire limbs can fall off the body. It's a horrible disease. We really can't even begin to fathom what it was like 2,000 years ago with med- when, when medical treatment, as we know it today, was almost non-existent. Our dear Beth Morris, she's here actually at this service because she's going to make an announcement here in announcement time, In her book, she wrote, in her book, Jesus, the One and Only, and I'm hoping this is true if you wrote it, but (laughs) tells of an occasion when she had to be near a modern-day leper colony. And she wrote that something within her had always wanted to minister to, or within a leper colony, and, and her trip overseas had given her this first opportunity to be near such a place. And she said that she walked by the entrance three times and she saw those who were inside suffering and she begged herself for a chance to go inside, but she couldn't make herself go inside. And the reason, she said, was because the smell overwhelmed her. She couldn't work up the stomach to go inside this colony. She couldn't bear the thought of not witnessing for the Lord, but she feared that she might become violently ill as she faced those leprous human beings who were already acutely aware that they were different. And she said the trip passed, and she wasn't able to go inside. Is that close to the truth? Yeah. There's no telling how bad this disease must have been in the days of Jesus. It wasn't just the grotesque damage or the attack on our sight. It wasn't just the loud cries that attack our hearing. It was also the smell of rotting, decaying flesh, overwhelming even our sense of smell. However, the emotional pain of the leper must have been even worse than the physical pain. The leper was removed from his family, from his community. There could be no contact whatsoever with his children or his grandchildren. None. Immediately removed. His wife would not be allowed to kiss him goodbye, nor would he have allowed it for fear that she too would become afflicted. Lepers, they tended to roam together looking for food, begging for assistance from this great distance, a 50-yard distance requirement. That's half the size of a football field. In the gospel reading, 10 lepers, they encounter Jesus and they scream at Jesus from half a football field away. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. We want to be made well. And Jesus responds, go and show yourselves to the priest. Because you see, the local priest had duties other than just leading worship on the Sabbath. If a person was miraculously healed of leprosy, The priest also became the health official and it was up to the priest to inspect the body to test for a complete removal of the disease and to announce that person healed. In such cases, the person would have been cleansed and only at that point would it be okay for the leper to see his wife again, to hold his daughter again, to look for work again. Only if the priest gave him the okay would he be officially healed. Now Jesus says to these lepers, go show yourselves to the priests. And I'm sure that when he says that, the lepers, they look down at their bodies and the hands of one man still mangled. Another man looks at his leg, which ends with the filthy rag at the end of his knee. Another looks at his skin, finds it as repulsive as ever. In other words, all of these men were no better off than they had been just ten minutes earlier when they went seeking after this Jesus, this teacher, this healer. And yet they headed off anyway to see the priests. And on their way we are told they were healed. On their way a hand reappeared and tingled with life on their way a crutch tripped on a filthy rag that fell to the ground on their way the leg was back healthy whole complete the skin cleared and the tiny hairs on a forearm turned from snow white to brown One healed leper looked at another, another looked at all the rest, and the screaming began. The smiles, they broke into cheering. They raced off into the distance, not believing that the nightmare of their life was finally over. Now, here's what I want you to pay attention to. In order for that miracle to happen, these men, they had to start walking in faith Even before their circumstances had changed one tiny bit. That's what we can learn from this gospel reading. That we cannot wait until the problems of our lives are over to start walking with God. We cannot put conditions on holy God. We cannot say, Lord, as soon as there's enough money, then I will start following your instructions. We cannot say, Lord, if you'll just solve the issues in my family, then I'll go back to church. We cannot put conditions on God. Instead, God places a demand for faith on us, even before anything changes. God might say, love me despite the difficulties, despite the disease. Obey me despite the lack of talent or the lack of resources. Follow me now despite your depression." Say no to the temptation while it's still difficult. Praise me in the darkest of nights and in the worst of circumstances. Because that's the nature of God. The God who loves us so much that he'll give us the opportunity to be thankful when nothing about our circumstances gives us that motivation. My friends, this is the very definition of faith. Faith. If you praise God only on the good days, only in the best of circumstances, it wouldn't be faith at all. That would be more like a business arrangement and this is not about business. Some of you are in horrible situations right now and what awaits you today, what awaits you this week is a forcing of this question. Will you be thankful despite the difficult circumstances of your life if so you will have experienced faith and then make sure that your thankfulness leads to action one healed leper out of 10 came back only one caught himself in the midst of the celebration and returned to Jesus. He reversed his steps even before he went to see his family, before he went to see the priest. He put all of that on hold and came back to the cause of his celebration. And boy, did that turn out to be important because Jesus asked, where are the other nine? You realize what this says, Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. He never commanded that any of them express thankfulness to God or to return to him, the healer. But that seems to be what Jesus expected. Where are the other nine? I wonder what kind of action Jesus is looking for from us. Has God's Holy Spirit been urging you toward some action? Has the Lord been tugging at you for some step in faith? Is there a family member or a friend or even a stranger in need of help? Is there something you feel compelled to do? My best advice, based on what Jesus was looking for 2,000 years ago, is to take that step of action. Assume that God is pulling you toward that something, that action, and get it done. So be thankful even in difficult circumstances. Make sure your thankfulness leads to action. And then know that a lifestyle of thankfulness is a lifestyle of wellness. Look at the scripture again. Walk with me through this we're going to look at three different words that are all trying to say the same thing. They're all saying that this leper used to be is now well. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, stop right there, when he saw he was healed, the Greek word is haitha, which is purely a medical term. It means to mend, it means to repair. It's like a broken bone finally mending. This guy was all patched up when he saw that he was healed. And then we move to verse 17. Jesus asked, "Were not all ten cleansed?" That's a different word than hyaetha. This is katharizo, the word, the root word that we get for catheter. It too is a medical word. It means removing all the impurities. When a doctor inserts a heart cath, angioplasty, it might remove a blockage from the artery. It will cause healing. Naturally, the Jewish connotation of this word is important too. To be cleansed was exactly what the priest would be looking for. And then let's look at one more word. In verse 19, Jesus says, To this very thankful man, rise and go, your faith has made you well. A different Greek word, made you well. Not necessarily a medical word, although it was used to describe the safe delivery of a baby. This is the word sozo, which means saved. The Greeks used it for people who escaped dangerous situations. Sailors surviving a dangerous storm at sea had been saved, had been sozo. When Matthew began his gospel, he started with the Christmas story. The angel told Joseph to name the child, the Christ child, Jesus, because that name meant that he would save people from their sins. He would sozo the people. When St. Paul describes what would happen to a person who professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, he used the same word. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be sozo. And Jesus says to this very thankful, used-to-be leper, this man who came back to worship God even before he returned home, Jesus said, your faith has sozo, has made you well, has saved you. Jesus pronounces a complete healing on this one thankful man, something the other nine probably did not get. Now there's another story about a leper in Matthew's gospel. A leper approaches Jesus, stopping at the required distance, half a football field away, knelt down, begging Jesus for help the very sight of this man was repulsive the smell of him was revolting people gasped they backed away he was commanded by some to clear the roadway get out of the way do not put anyone at risk but Matthew writes that Jesus he reaches out his hand and he touches the man he walks up to the man and he touches the man And a moment later, he tells us that Jesus spoke the words, be clean, go and show yourself to a priest. I want you to notice both miracles here. The leprosy was gone. That's the easy miracle to see. But the other one, it was the touch of a loving hand, the touch of a human hand. I mean, think about it. Today, you've touched more people in one hour than this man had touched in years Today you've been close to your family and friends. Maybe a child has been on your lap or maybe you had a hug at the door or a firm handshake from a friend. But not this guy. He probably longed for a loving touch more than he longed for food. More than he needed water, he needed love. And before he was healed, while there was still a tremendous risk, Jesus was, giving, was willing to give him that one touch Let me close with this. There is no sin that has made you unlovable. Jesus is willing to lovingly touch you, hold you, restore you. Jesus is willing to call you his friend, his brother, his sister, to stand beside you. It was his death that paid for your sin, for my sin. No fear has disqualified you. No problem has put your life on hold. No failure has negated his love. No exceptions, no qualifications, no doubts. He loves you. And for that, oh God, we are truly thankful. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.